Welcome to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. I'm Amanda. And I'm Elizabeth. Thanks for joining us today. Hello, everyone. We're back after a bit of a break from the holidays. And that time, we've seen some unexpected increases in corn and soybean prices. So today we want to dig into why we're seeing those prices and how unexpected they were. Because for some of us, it seems like they came out of nowhere. So is this going to stick around for a while? That's a big question I think a lot of you are asking. And to help us dive into these questions, Andrea Flowers with Cargill is joining us. Welcome, Andrea. Hi, how are you today? Good. Uh, please introduce yourself a little bit for our listeners. Okay, I'm Andrea. Um, I work at the soybean crush plant in Sydney, Ohio. Um, I primarily buy soybeans for the crush plant, but I also work with a lot of customers to buy corn to our facilities or our flex facilities and uh, buy wheat also as well. So I do look at a broad range of information for all three commodities. Excellent. We are really looking forward to hearing your insights today. Um, And then just to start off with, one of the big questions that farmers are wondering is how does this trend that we're seeing compare to the price era that kicked off in 2011 and 2012? Yeah, I've had a lot of people bring that up because it, it does start looking similar. And I think we do need to try to look at the patterns and determine what kind of use that history, you know, determine what kind of opportunities may still lie ahead. What really makes this different is the timing of it. Um, With China coming in and starting to buy a lot of um, soybeans in particular back in September and October, that's really what started kicking it off because we've coupled that with what was going on with the weather that had occurred in Iowa and trying to really figure out how much of the U.S. crop was really hurt and going to be lost. And suddenly we went from what looked like a very good U.S. supply again, and then suddenly it was getting hurt somewhat. And at the same time, we were getting all this new, frankly, unexpected demand. Supposedly that demand was going to be coming all along, but we had not been seeing that on a fairly regular basis. So it kind of all hit all at once. Uh, So what makes this one a lot different is timing. Here we are already in January looking at a soybean carryout of 140 million bushels and a corn carryout of somewhere around 1.5 billion bushels for this next year. And in, in that previous years and in a lot of the previous years, we didn't start getting these lower carryouts until later in the season, springtime, June, you know, those types of years when the market finally said, oh, wow, you know, look how much we've actually used and, and it doesn't really feel like we're going to have a lot left. So timing's a little different and people are going to have to be a little bit wary of that. Yeah, that's one of the really interesting things about this is normally this time of year, you know, we've just had the new crop come off and prices are, are kind of at their bottom and I think maybe that was one of the things that was most shocking at, at these rallies is, you know, what, what was driving them. And I know a lot of people have, have hypothesized that the weather in South America has been a driver too. Um, yeah, it, it definitely has been as well. And then there's been a couple strikes in, in South America as well that have added to everything that's going on. Um, and we're, we haven't even got into U.S. weather yet. I've told a lot of customers I understand, you know, today beans are down about 25, 26 cents and it's drug corn lower as well. 
But in reality, that's not necessarily a bad thing. We've needed some profit taking. We've needed some shedding of some of the week longs out of the market. A lot of times when you see something like that, it just makes the market healthier, I guess you could say, going forward. And so even though the market's down right now, we still have a lot of things to trade yet. Um, we haven't got into the final weather for Argentina yet. We haven't seen what some of the yields are in some of the more dry areas in Brazil are yet. We haven't seen how it's going to affect planting of second crop corn in Brazil yet. You know, there's still a lot of things that can happen when you start even looking at U.S. crop for the spring. I really do believe there's still opportunities for selling at some higher prices yet than where we are. We're just gonna to have to kind of be patient and watch this thing. So you brought up some really interesting points of how prices might change moving forward. But before we get to that, can we back up and dive a little bit more into why prices increased? And you missed, you mentioned China and the buying there. So where did their demand come from all of a sudden? Yeah, I think what we saw happen with China with the last couple of years with the dispute and everything that's gone on with trade agreements between the U.S. and China, they were holding off as long as they could to not buy bushels. Um, and what they were buying, they were buying from South America. And at a certain point, South America just plain ran out of bushels. That allowed the US to suddenly be the only place that they could buy soybeans. And actually to some extent, some corn here and there too, because they've been buying a decent amount of US corn as well. Because of that, it, it kind of like they, they used all of the bushels they had in their reserves. They were at the point where they could not afford to not come buy US bushels because they were going to end up driving food prices up in, in their country and they, they just couldn't allow that to happen. So they did finally have to come to the US and buy bushels and, and it became a bunch of bushels because there was absolutely nothing left in South America to sell them. And that was really, I think, the beginning of what, what started this whole thing. And, and then, like we said, with the Iowa weather and you know some of the dryness that we saw on the rest of the Corn Belt late in the year, it just made a big difference and it changed the perspective of what we were looking at from a supply situation for the balance of the year. And you know, as we move forward, we're gonna have to really watch. The US is going to have to have a, a good crop in this year, this spring, or we're gonna see some very interesting things happen again next, next summer. But a lot of times what we do have to be careful about as well is like we talked about timing, this has happened earlier than normal. And if we get into springtime in the US and weather's decent and we see that we're gonna plant a bunch of acres, which I'm sure we are, corn and beans both, we're gonna plant a bunch of acres then if we have good weather when that goes in, it just starts lessening the board opportunity. The board starts saying, okay, well, we, we've learned a little bit more. We feel a little bit more comfortable with what some of the outcomes could be um, than outside of some significant weather events in the summer. We you know, could see the market kind of calm down a little bit spring to summer if weather looks good throughout. Now that's futures. From a basis perspective, we might be talking about a different story. When you look about look around the state, there's a, a strong demand for end users, uh, ethanol plants, Dayton's corn milling plant, 
um, our soybean plant and the other soybean crushers in the state, there's strong end demand for corn and beans and all the feeders too, I didn't mention them, all the feeders that are in the state too. So we have a strong demand for corn and beans. And even if we see the board kind of say, okay, well, we're feeling a little bit better because weather's good, um, that could still mean some strong basis opportunities into the June, July, August, and then especially into September, if we do not see a big slowdown in the U.S. demand, um, then into September, you know, early planting corn and beans should do very, very well basis-wise for people. Yeah, I think that's some good information as farmers, you know, make their planting decisions. Now, is there an opportunity to go with a shorter season hybrid and try to take advantage of that then? We would really love for customers to do that. You know, we had seen in the Sydney and Dayton area, you know, up until the last three or four years, we had seen a lot of customers really like, you know, the 100-day corns and the, and the you know, mid-twos on the beans, you know, and planting those and, and getting them off in September. And the last couple of years, we haven't had basis opportunities that's really made it worth their while to do that. But this is probably going to be one of those years where it's going to be a strong opportunity for people. So we really kind of need to get people back into that habit of planting some of those shorter seasons because it, it should pay for them this year. Hey, and if nothing else, sometimes being the first ones in line means you don't have to wait quite as long. <laughs> there you go. There's always that too. <laughs> Um, so for some of these guys who are watching the market and are trying to decide when, you know, when to pull the trigger on, on securing these prices, you know, what kind of fluctuations are you expecting over the next few weeks and months? And, and, you know, do you have recommendations for when folks should take advantage of opportunities? Yeah, you know, and that's what's going to be kind of difficult because we tend to, we like as Cargill, we like to look at the historics and we like to look at the seasonal patterns in, in the charts. And this year, you know, obviously for beans, there hasn't been a historic and a seasonal for the last several years. But even for corn, it, we're kind of off our pattern because oftentimes it, it feels like you see the highs even in new crop corn prices in that February through um, June window. And it almost feels like we've pulled that forward, um, that maybe it's going to be more, you know, now through, um, maybe now through May, because again, if we get a strong weather, good weather pattern and plant very, very well this spring, you know, it makes you wonder, are we going to see those highs maybe be a little bit sooner than they typically are? And so that would be the one thing I would caution people because like we started the very, the call off at the very beginning, the podcast off at the very beginning, that it just seems like all this stuff is happening earlier than it, what it, what it has in the past. Um, so from a futures perspective, it may be worth really thinking about if you are a person who likes to sell new crop, either maybe make a few of those sales and then put in some offers you know, and the, you got to figure out what you want your, your targets to be. But from a, from a bean perspective, I've been telling people put offers in 50 or 75 cents apart, just depending on how many bushels you have and how many bushels you want to try to get sold before planting time. Um, from a corn perspective, obviously you need to narrow that up a little bit, maybe every 25 cents or so. It, there is no saying that we can't trade numbers like we traded back in 2012. And, you know, so you start looking at $7 corn and $17 beans and I'm not saying we're going to, but 
if if things don't go well with weather, you can't say we're not. You've got to give yourself uh, a way to be able to capture some of that. So maybe sell some of it, put offers in on some of it, but then also to look at different products that allow you to still be involved in a higher market, option strategies, um, Cargill's Daily Floor Pluses, Cargill's Portfolio Builder, averaging contracts, those kinds of things that will allow you to get a little bit of coverage where, and I'm not going to say those have, all have floors to them, but they have a, a little bit of security to them on the downside, but they can still participate in some up upside movements. So we've seen some damage issues, vomitoxin issues around the state. It seems a little bit more prevalent. Did that affect basis at all, or is there demand created because of that issue, or was it not as widespread? Yeah, it has definitely affected corn basis levels in the state because a lot of end users who buy Ohio corn on rail cars on coming via rail, they have shied away from Ohio. Um, they're trying to buy Indiana or Michigan or Illinois corn rather than Ohio corn. And we have seen basis suffer because of that. Um, because some of the folks that rely on sell, you know, buying corn from farmers and then selling it out on rail cars, they've maybe been a little more um, stuck with what they're going to do with that corn. Some of the end users, you know, depending on some of the feeders, they can take it and be okay. Like Dayton um, can take a certain amount and be okay. But from an ethanol plant, it, it becomes a little more difficult for them to take high, high levels. So we have seen basis levels in the state probably be off, depending on the time, anywhere from a nickel to 15 cents from what maybe you might see around the other states. So you uh, mentioned that the demand we're seeing from China, I thought that was interesting. And I just want to bring that back up because we were really worried um, with the trade issues that went on and the um, sanctions tariffs that we might lose some customers. And, you know, we did lose grain sales, but it sounds like in the end, you know, somewhat it kind of worked out for us because we had that surplus grain. So I think that's promising. At least I'm hearing it as something promising for Ohio farmers and U.S. farmers that we're still one of the larger suppliers and we were able to meet that demand in the end. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's been nice for, for this year. It was unfortunate that China, with the trade situation, we were not being able to trade much with them for the last couple of years. So now this year, we're, we've got a kind of a price boon because suddenly they had to come to the U.S., but the previous two years, we had to struggle through some lower prices because they were not an active trader with, with the U.S. So that's kind of unfortunate. It's really nice to see them back, and hopefully we can maintain consistent business with them. That's the one thing we are going to have to maybe watch a little bit into this spring, that once South America has bushels again, do they completely go away, or will it just be their normal pattern of them buying South America while it's available and then coming in, back to the U.S.? you know, on those fill-in sales and so forth. And, and frankly, be it market-driven, there, there were plenty of times they should have been buying U.S. bushels throughout that whole period because we were the most price competitive, but they wouldn't do it. So hopefully we can get back onto a normal business relationship with China. Um, but, you know, here we are this year and, and looking at $14 beans and, you know, $5 corn and no saying it's not going to go up to, 
you know, seven and 17, but that tends to have some of the challenges as well, because with those higher prices of grain, you tend to see input prices come up as well. And we, we know how that did happen, you know, back in 2012 or so when, when we had the really high prices, once they went away, some of the input costs didn't necessarily come down. So farmers are just going to have to be making sure they're, they're looking at that and watching that and, and trying to lock in uh, some of these lower ones ahead of time if they possibly can. Just want to, as we kind of wrap up here, look at the futures and you mentioned some things we need to keep our eye on moving forward. What do you see in the next couple weeks or a couple months out that we should pay attention to that might affect price signals specifically? Big thing is going to be weather. We need to watch the tail end of the Argentina weather um, and we need to watch Brazilian weather as well, especially as they get ready to go plant that second crop. And then we should start seeing it's a little bit too early to talk about U.S. weather yet, but as we get into February and in, in March, we'll start seeing some indications for 30 and 60 and 90 day forecasts. Um, but then acres, I would expect that we see the U.S. tend toward more bean acres this year, but we probably will tend toward more corn acres as well. We're going to see probably a lot of ground come over to corn and beans from you know, various crops, just like they tend to do in these high price years. Acres are going to be something we're, we're going to want to continue to follow. So acres, weather, and then uh, both U.S. and South American weather. Andrea, you have provided a ton of excellent information for us to, to help our farmers make some good decisions, hopefully here over the next few weeks. Hopefully we continue to see these high prices, but hopefully they take advantage of these opportunities to sell at profitable prices while they're available. To close off, would you be willing to provide your contact information for our listeners if they have any questions for you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, more than welcome to contact me uh, via email. And that email address is Andrea underscore flowers, F-L-O-W-E-R-S at cargill.com. Or um, you can reach us by phone at 937-419-7000. And I work with a team of buyers, so it's me and Lauren in Austin um, in our area. We kind of cover um, the area between Lima, Sydney, and Dayton. So any of us are, would be more than happy to have conversations with people around what's going on in the markets. Awesome. And for those looking for more information, we do have some virtual County Outlook meetings. We're going to miss seeing you guys at those meetings around yes. the state for sure, but to fill the void because of the pandemic. We have one January 22nd, so just a couple days away on Friday from the release of this podcast. And then we've got several throughout the rest. So February 19th, March 5th, and March 15th. You can find those dates on our Ag and Natural Resources programming page. Um, agnr.osu.edu slash programming. And I'll put that as well as Andrea's contact information in the show description so you guys can access that easily. But, you know, thanks again, Andrea. We really appreciate your time. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime uh, you want to have a conversation, I'd be more than happy. Excellent. And best of luck to our listeners as you guys navigate these prices. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. Join us again in two weeks for our next episode.